Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls Podcast, the pod dedicated to SB Nation's TheBirdRights.com. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and we have so much in store for you. After a, a slow couple of weeks, we are ready to hulk it out with last week's pods featuring Bourbon Street Shots, Michael McNamara, Saints Happy Hours, Ralph Malbro, and our own Kevin Berrios and Ali Cassell, who went on a legendary uh, rant. You guys need to check that out. And I'm also very excited to announce that our very first Southwest Division preview with four representatives from ESPN and SB Nation sites dedicated to the Grizzlies, Rockets, Spurs, and Mavericks are going to be taking place at the end of this week. So make sure you subscribe and spread the word. But today, we've got the big picture boys with our very first mailbag. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Podcast. First up... The knucklehead himself. What's up, Travis Tate? Hey, how you doing? Thanks I'm, for having me. I can't wait to talk big picture items. Yeah, love, I know, right? Love the name. First of all, tell them where they can follow you on Twitter. Ooh, uh, you can uh, hashtag me or uh, at mention me, I guess. Or maybe you can hashtag me. I, I don't know how it all works, but uh, my name is at Trabeta. Nice work. And so give us T-R-A-B-E-T-A. And while we're waiting for Trevor Ritchie, who is our second guest, uh, go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about your uh, about your background because you have a pretty interesting one. Oh well, I, in terms of basketball, uh, professional basketball, I worked uh, as a PR person for the New Orleans Hornets. Uh, they were called at the time in the 2009-10 season, and the year before that, I did the same job with the Utah Jazz. And then after my time with the, uh, at the time, Hornets, I then went to the Idaho Stampede of the D-League. Now it's called the G-League, and that team moved from Boise, Idaho to Salt Lake City, Utah. So I've had a bunch of teams that have changed names in the meantime, but I promise you I, I was there. 
Your career has now hit its apex here at thebirdrights.com, wouldn't you say? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Thank <laughs> you so much for this opportunity. You're welcome. We're happy to have you. Before we go any further, I just want to thank our listeners. You guys absolutely killed these questions, and we could not be more appreciative. Thank you for sticking with us this far. In case you guys didn't know, in case I didn't mention it, this is our very first mailbag episode. But before we get started with that, uh, I have to get your take on Tony Allen. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you think he fits in the rotation and do you see him starting at the three potentially? I, um, I don't think I would start him at the three. Uh, I know that obviously he's a veteran and you would think that he would be able to slide in there. Um, I would like to be able to bring him off the bench as the first guard. I imagine off the bench. Um, whereas before we may not have known who that guy was going to be. Maybe it was, Ian Clark or, you know, I don't know. They, they have a lot of options there. Etwan Moore, obviously. Um, but uh, I think it would be best to probably bring him off the bench one other, whenever, um, you know, I would guess that Rondo goes to the bench first in their rotation. And then you, you bring him on as your two. Um, but I, I get the point of the question though, because at the same time, you do feel like you're going to be playing Etwan Moore quite a bit. So maybe you move, Allen to the three, especially since we all know that the Pelicans are so uh, basically dry at that position. I mean, they don't have anybody other than Darius Miller, and he's basically unproven there. Um, but I would still like to see uh, the two the two point guards, Darius Miller at the three, and then the two big guys um, as of right now. And that is just me just kind of banking and hoping on Darius Miller. Um, maybe when they get to camp. Um, Maybe the coaches will discover, uh, hey, you know, it turns out that Darius Miller isn't going to be able to work for us as a starter. Um, Tony Allen, can you come in and do this for a while? Because, you know, he's going to have kind of that veteran presence and he's going to know what to do and he's going to be able to tell the other uh, guys on the court where they need to be and everything. So that they they may, I mean, you know, if he starts um, at the three, they at least get a lot smarter on that side. Um, it, it's kind of an interesting, somewhat explosive group in terms of having Rondo and Tony Allen and DeMarcus Cousins out there. Um, they're all really smart guys and know what's going on. So it'll be, you know, I, I think that the potential for a, a really good defense comes, but um, obviously the issue might come on the other side of the ball. Yeah, the the thing that uh, brings me back here, obviously Darius Miller is the most natural fit. He's got the size, he's got the shooting, and uh, he's a work-hard type guy, much in the mold of Dante Cunningham. But the purpose to bring Tony Allen to the Pelicans is to body up on a, on a team's best perimeter scorer, uh, potentially somebody like a John Wall or even somebody like a Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, he's not going to stop somebody like Kawhi who can shoot right over him, but at least he can frustrate him to an extent, uh, you know, Take, take away some of his energy so that he's a, a little bit more fatigued come fourth quarter time. If you bring him off the bench, you're basically just sending him against a team's best six man. You're having him hound the uh, Eric Gordons and Lou Williams and Jamal Crawfords of the league. Do you, do you think that's good enough for, for a player who's the, you know, on the second team, all NBA defensive uh, team last season? Yeah, right. No, that, that's a good point. Um, and they're, you know, maybe just to counter what you said, I mean, you know, you're totally right in a lot of ways. Um, maybe just to counter, 
that, you know, there's still going to, you know, when you play somebody like a, a Kevin Durant or a, or a Kawhi Leonard or any number of other good uh, perimeter scorers and playmakers, they're going to be out there. You know, what, what did LeBron play last year? 35 minutes a game or something. I mean, you know, these, these guys are going to be out there most of the time. So it's not like Tony Allen is only going to be out there for minutes when those players aren't on the floor, because obviously, as you mentioned, uh, you know, he's all defensive second team. You want him out there to specifically be um, guarding the, you know, James Harden and Russell Westbrook even maybe. Um, So that would be, uh, you know, the best use of his talents. Um, But maybe they, they also hope that they can get more out of Darius Miller. And, and at this point they do have a lot of bodies that they, that they can throw at other good wing players. I mean, cause you can always shift up drew a little bit. And I even don't mind when Rondo has to guard somebody who's maybe a foot taller than him, but he's kind of feisty and he's going to get really, really low and he's going to prevent that player from getting to a spot. And so, you know, anytime you have one of those great scores shooting an 18 foot jump shot that, you know, obviously that's a win. And so I think that that's something that uh, any one of those guys can can uh, produce on the defensive side. Um, to me, I, I guess, uh, one, I, I hope that they can get teams to sort of play in that slowdown mode on defense, to have our defense get set, to have make sure all of our big guys are back, to make sure Davis and, and especially Cousins uh, are able to get to their spots on defense. And then um, hopefully we get a stop and then we can get the, re- you know, we're almost assuredly going to get a rebound and then, um, and then, you know, throw something quickly down the floor on offense and maybe get a bucket. I, I can see a lot of good runs coming from this team because of that defense, and hopefully uh, that's what comes. See, I was just talking to you off the air about how positive everyone's been, and now I'm talking myself into this. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But, you, <laughs> you know, raised, you can sort yeah. of picture all these guys because you've seen them play before, and the more veterans that teams have, generally they tend to win more. No, it's everybody's equating it to the the run the Grizzlies had, the grit and grind. Just yeah. a bunch of uh, smart veterans who know how to play basketball, who somehow weasel their way into 55 wins every single season, and yeah. nobody seems to know how they're doing it. You also raise a good point that there's 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 uh, speaking specifically of the Houston Rockets, Mike D'Antoni plans to to stagger his lineup so that one of James Harden or Chris Paul is always on the floor, and you'd have to think that a lot of teams are going to be doing this. So even if you do relegate uh, Tony Allen to the bench, there will still be great use for him in shutting down uh, teams' primary playmakers. Uh, my question is just, you know, if if you brought somebody in to potentially replace Solomon Hill, uh, isn't isn't that where you would have to slot Tony Allen in? But with the conversation we've just had, I think that's not the purpose they brought him in. And they're still looking for that missing piece, whether it be uh, Dante Cunningham or Martel Webster or Perry Jones, some stuff that we'll get to later. But let's go ahead and dive into some questions. That's why we're here. We're going to start with Splash Mountain. Travis, why isn't anyone pointing to Drew Holiday taking a step forward this season? Uh, thank you very much for the question, Splash Mountain. I like your name. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, you know, I, there is a lot to be said for him sort of getting the short end of the stick in terms of kind of, I think that he's taken a little bit of a hit to his reputation because when you, you could argue that he's essentially been demoted since he's been moved from the position that he has played for how long has he been in the league now, seven years or something. And our coaches have essentially said, you know what, you're not actually that good as a point guard. Let's try you at, at something else. 
I tend to think um, that he does fit well as a two. Like, I don't think that they're doing this solely because they have Rondo. I think they saw that they think that they could move Drew to the two and he would have a use and a, and a, an ability there. And, and I'm a believer of that. Cause I mean, I don't know how many times I saw him last year. It just seems like he has a relatively um, simplified game as a point guard. And I think sometimes he would almost predetermine like, Hey, this time I'm going to go down and make sure I get up an early shot, or this time I'm going to make sure. And I pass to, uh, DeMarcus Cousins or whatever, maybe he would get into his head a little bit too much um, sometimes. And then other times, maybe when he'd have his stroke going, he'd you know go off for 30 points and 10 assists or something. But to me, he's always been a very, um, essentially just a scoring guard, really. I mean, he's not you know on the level of anybody like a uh, peak Rondo or a Chris Paul. I mean, nobody is really, but not even like a maybe even an Eric Bledsoe or something like I've never really considered him to be that much of a distributor. So moving him to the two, I think is a, you know, it could be a career defining move for him. Um, so splash mountain, I like the tone of your question there. Cause I think, uh, you know, if he turns out to essentially have been a two in the clothing of a one for the last seven years, and he has a near all-star year this year, that could be, you know, that that's a, franchise altering move potentially i think the the big negative drawback on true holiday is not only this crippling contract this uh 125 plus 25 in incentives that's hampering us from making any uh free agent acquisitions and has forced our hand in trading uh tim frazier and quincy pondexter uh among other moves like quinn cook but uh the main the main thing that concerns me is not only the words of uh assistant head coach jamel mcmillan alvin gentry and uh and Anthony Davis, who have all said kind of the same thing, that we don't want to overwhelm Drew Holiday. We don't want to put too much on his plate. And you saw in uh, late-game circumstances last year with the Denver Nuggets, uh, two cru- critical turnovers in the final yep. minute of the game. Also with San Antonio, the same thing. Just this, yep. this, this feeling that he's overwhelmed, that there's too much on his plate. And when you look at his numbers post-Demarcus Cousins trade, he was actually coming to his own on the season in January. He was shooting. from three, obviously this was a a small volume, about four and a half shots a game, but that's still pretty impressive. 49% from the field after DeMarcus Cousins through 11 games, his three point shooting dropped to 26% and 47% shooting. And after that 45% and 36% shooting, and then finishing at 44 and 22 and welcome to the podcast, Trevor Ritchie. What's up, Trevor? All right. First off guys, listeners, at me at Richie TMR <laughs> and let me know how bad this podcast was before I hopped on. Oh my god. Oh, he Come does on. he does have a go for it, Trevor. And immediately starts bad mouthing us. Oh. Not not a good move, Trevor. Come on. He just dunked all over us. What are you talking about? That's game set match. Oh. Who could have been prepared for that entrance? You that was hey, good. No, that was I'm good. a big picture guy. I come in game seven every every <laughs> <time>. <laughs> all right. And Trevor, we have another podcast we're doing after this. So if you want to hop on into that, you are more than welcome with uh, the unpredictable Jamile. But right now, I'm going to throw this question to you. We were just talking about Drew Holiday and what he needs to do to take a step forward. And uh, obviously, moving him to two is a pretty major transition. After the DeMarcus Cousins trade, we were just talking about how his numbers have dropped, how Jamel McMillan, Alvin Gentry, and Anthony Davis 
all said that they didn't want to put too much on his plate. Let's go to the next question from Amar, which is, Trevor, what does Drew Holiday need to do to earn his salary this season? Well, see, I, I'm not going to say I don't like that question. I like all the questions that we get. But uh, I think that I don't think that's a great question because from my standpoint, if you get that salary in the contract, you would hope that he's already earned it. You're hoping that you're not signing a player that hasn't already earned the money that you're giving him because then you're just taking an unnecessary risk. But for him to earn that, I think he needs to uh, solidify what we all say, that he is better off the ball. And now that we have a true point guard like Rondo that can come in and take that position away from him and allow him to play more off the ball where he doesn't have such a a big responsibility on the offensive end of the court I think he I would look to him look to him to make more threes to have a better three-point percentage not that he has a bad one at 35 percent but he only averages about four attempts a game maybe he can step that up and uh kind of be more of a off the ball decoy to draw some space for Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins so I don't think he necessarily does needs to do anything to earn his money he just needs the same stay at the same consistent pace that we've gotten used to him when he's healthy I'm gonna stand up for Amar here uh, a wonderful answer I, I just want to put in here that when we say earn his salary that's uh, all doing tribute to the fact that we all think he's being overpaid at this moment like I think we all had him pinned somewhere around five years and 120 million but since he's gotten five and 150 which blew the roof right off my head uh, I was I was I was fine with 125. I thought it was a little bit of an overpay, but once I saw the incentives, and everybody's uh, claiming that these are unlikely, many of these incentives are very likely. Just give me a second to pull up some of the stuff that I got from Bobby Marks uh, the other day. Uh, I lost it. Here it is. Okay, so if Holiday appears in 66 games this season and plays more than 2,000 minutes, he will earn a bonus of 510 k I'd say that's pretty realistic, playing 66 games. It's based on likely. This is a likely one. And another 255 if he appears in 67 and averages seven assists and three rebounds, which is what he did last season. So there are a lot of likely bonuses that he's going to earn here. So, Travis, what do you think Drew Holiday needs to do this season to earn that money? I don't, you know, I think, first of all, if I was him, I would not be worrying about these tiny bonuses of $200,000 when you have $120 million coming to you. So like he doesn't, he doesn't need to put pressure on himself and nor should he in terms of trying to achieve these certain um, statistical marks. Cause I mean, if it's not going to help the team win games, like I don't understand the point of him doing that when he's got so much money already coming his way. Another thing I'd say about those bonuses is, I don't know if he's going to be able to hit some of those numbers just because of the new role that he has on the team. I mean, he's straight up a two guard now. They're going to have Rondo, you know, collecting a lot of assists. They're going to have DeMarcus Cousins collecting a lot of assists. I consider both of those guys to be better playmakers and assist guys than Drew Holiday. So I don't know if Holiday should try to get seven assists a game. I don't know if he should even have a number that he goes for in terms of assists. I think he just needs to learn how to play the two position um, and do the best that he can there and really not worry about any of that, any of the the stats or anything, because, you know, again, he, he's already got the money coming his way, you know, the huge chunk of it. So, I mean, what's an, that, you know, I hate to like scoff at $200,000, but I mean, that, what is that, you know, that's nothing compared to 120 something million. 
Yeah, another important point that I wanted to bring up is that Drew Holiday's contract is uh, greater than Anthony Davis's contract. So that's another uh, expectation to put on him. But let's move right along. We've got a lot of these. Trevor, Splash Mountain again. Expectations for Rajon Rondo this season. I just expect him to stay consistent. I, I hope that he comes in and I hope that he presents a, you know, 70 plus games if he can stay healthy and doesn't have an issue. I want to see playoff Rondo. I don't want to see Sacramento Kings Rondo. I don't necessarily want to see Mavericks Rondo. I want to see that playoff Bulls Rondo and uh, and, and get some control. And, uh, you know, I tweeted Alexia Jinx the other day. I, I told him, you know, here's the link to the call. If you want to hop on the podcast, go ahead. And my question to him was going to be, when Rondo throws you the off-the-head alley-oop, are you going to 360 windmill or tomahawk? So I, that's what I look for, you know, some some Rondo off the head alley oops and and some crazy stuff and some solid assists. But I hope that he takes command, and, and his uh, passing ability is enough to pose a threat and a decoy to be able to feed Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins. And I think that's all they're going to look for out of him. All right, well that's that's a good bit. Uh, let's get your take, Travis. This is a question from Amar, and talk about Rajon Rondo. What you expect from him, and if he does, I know. I'm sorry. Part of that question cut out on me, Preston. Sorry. Oh, okay. Just uh, going back to Rajon Rondo. What you expect from him, and what are the odds the Pels can re-sign him if he is successful this season? Mm. Well, so uh, I like that question because let's go like best case scenario with this team. Which uh, Trevor, I, I think when you and I did that playoff, uh, our playoff seedings, like I had them barely missing, and I think you had them. Maybe kind of like maybe at the seven or eight seed or something. I mean, generally, you know, a lot of people think that maybe they make the playoffs, maybe they don't. I think best case scenario, if Rondo, and I know this is another question we have coming up later for, from the mailbag, but like if Rondo is incredible this season somehow, um, which he hasn't been for a while, so like it's quite the assumption. But if he's really good this year somehow, and he's got everything under control, and you know he's best buds with with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, and we somehow, let's say, get a five seed uh, in the Western Conference playoffs, I don't see any reason for him to want to go anywhere else. And I think that he would have so much importance to this team um, in terms of, you know, he's the distributor, really. I mean, him and uh, him and Cousins, like I mentioned, are kind of the key playmakers. He can really imprint his, his uh, personality, hopefully in a good way on this team, because Again, and I mentioned this on a on a prior podcast. I, I think he's definitely at the point where he's realizing that, you know, his his bread is going to be buttered by Anthony Davis finishing dunks and Anthony Davis scoring thirty five points and grabbing fifteen rebounds in certain games, and then other games, Cousins is going to go off for forty and twenty, and then you're going to have those occasional Drew Holiday games where he's going to you know, score 20 and, and, you know, maybe get a triple double here or there or something. But, um, you know, he, I think at this point he has to realize that he's skating on very thin ice with the rest of his NBA career. I mean, the way things went in Sacramento and Dallas, obviously we're not good. And so if he can sort of repair things, help make this team, you know, maybe an overachiever this year, maybe they win 50 something games. Um, then that is what it would take. I think, for him to even want to resign here or for anybody to really have interest um, in wanting him to come back. You're a Rondo hater, man. You said, I mean, I don't necessarily want the Sacramento Rondo, but you said it didn't go great. He, he still averaged 11 points and 11 assists. 
I mean, well, it's he, not. He, he's a he's an assist hunter at his worst. Yeah. And you, I mean, but, you know, I, I mean, we would be very happy with eleven points and eleven assists a game if we can get that. Which last year with with Chicago, he averaged I think like around seven or eight points and then five or six assists, which mm-hmm. isn't no, that isn't great. But if he can get back to you know halfway midway between the two, then I, I would be extremely. Uh, kind of surprised, honestly, but I would be content with that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think is I think it's got less to do with stats with him, like because oh, we yes. know that he's like hunted stuff before, and so I think it's more like does he realize that like sometimes he could just give the ball to Cousins and Cousins can make a play, or like to wait long enough and and get the ball to Drew in the right spot or whatever, you know, like that that assist hunting thing is kind of detrimental. And- um, I, sorry, Travis, but I, I don't think – I think when you – I mean, if you look at the Bulls, and I get Jimmy Butler was there, and if you look at the Kings, you kind of – maybe as a veteran that that's won a championship and, and played with Hall of Famers, maybe he felt like he had to step out, up as a leader and, and chase those assists and get people to the basket and get points on the board. But now that he's around multiple all, – three – all-stars if you count drew holiday being a former all-star yeah and so maybe he doesn't have as much of an issue on a roster with with the level of guys that he has now as compared to he did in chicago and sacramento oh yeah i think no that's pretty much my entire argument is that you know what guys we we gotta we gotta keep moving on this one we gotta come come on i i I think about travis that's what he's saying i know uh (laughs) basically i think the point of this question is not whether or not rajan rondo would want to come back or if the pelicans would want to have him back it's how feasibly could the pelicans bring him back because as of right now on spotrack.com we've got 90 million tied into anthony davis uh salmon hill ashik agenza and more and should we re-sign boogie should everything come to fruition and we all live happily ever after the Pelicans signed boogie to a five-year 176 million dollar deal i think that's around 35 million so that right there puts us at 125 even should we stretch Ooh. uh ashik and agensa after that point we would only get to about 115 million five million away from the luxury tax and we still need a backup for uh we would have ian clark tony allen and jordan crawford going back into free agency we'd have no space to sign a first round pick so i i, I think the point of this question is how could the the pelicans bring him back should he play well he would have to come back feasibly at this biannual exception but we would have to clear a lot of space to do it let's 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 keep moving. We'll if, if we have some more time, we'll get back to this. Uh, but Corey Lee is asking how important each one more will be and whether we go with three guard lineups now. Let's uh, start this with Trevor. Um, I, I think he'll be looked to as as the primary three guard um, wing defender. I think he's the best option we have at that wing defender outside of however Darius Miller plays. And then if Tony Allen gets pushed, but I, just prior to the Tony Allen signing, uh, I I think you have to look to him as the primary wing defender out of, you know, you can't really rely on that from Ian Clark or Jordan Crawford. And I think the the three guard lineup, whether it's a a starting lineup, I'm not sure. But at times in the rotation, it's inevitable at this point, the way the roster looks, you're not going to have a choice but to run it. And you just have to hope that that it can work after losing Solomon Hill. Get in there, Travis. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I just said this stuff about Tony Allen. I mean, I don't know which way they would go. I would imagine that if we're bringing Tony Allen off the bench and we're starting Darius Miller, then that could mean that Etwan Moore gets pushed back if they decide that they want to go, you know, to play Tony Allen more often. Although maybe he's not even going to be playing regularly. He's, I know he's had some injury problems the last couple of years and obviously he's getting up there in age. So maybe, um, 
maybe they kind of give him those random off days and say DNP uh, instead of saying DNP rest, they say DNP, uh, you know, uh, knee tendonitis or something, but um, each one more, I mean, I like him, but they're just so, they got so many guards. I feel like we were talking about this weeks ago, like before they added all these other guards. And now we, I mean, we're just loaded with like, smallish twos and i don't know how we're going to use them all when it doesn't seem like any of them can really shift up to the three other than maybe tony allen no i'm going to channel my uh inner ali cassell and i'm going to remain super positive about this and the reason that these three guard lineups are going to work with etuan moore and tony allen kind of going back and forth with darius miller down there is that the one advantage that the pelicans have with all these guards is that the nba is moving uh it's, it's, it's just getting smaller with more athletic players. There's this Carl Malone type big man, the, the guys like Blake Griffin, those and Derek Favors, there, there aren't as many of these guys in the NBA anymore. M- more of those guys are getting pushed to center and the attrition, uh, traditional centers like the Roy Hibberts and the Omar Ashiks are, are off to China. They're off to Germany. So we will have the opportunity to like the Boston Celtics run these three guard lineups and put them on wing defenders. And when you face off against someone like Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, in many of those instances, we might be seeing Anthony Davis coming up against these guys. And Mm. to, to continue on the, on the point about Etuan Moore is I see Etuan Moore staying exactly where he, where he was at that 25 minute per game mark. I think they need him to be even more aggressive. He's not going to dominate the ball at all. He did last season and he won't going forward, but he is going to need to sit at those corners He's going to need to run off ball. He's going to need to be able to hit a three-pointer. And he's going to need to be able to defend. And the good news for Pelicans fans is these are the three things that, in my opinion, he does well, is uh, stay active, move off the ball, play defense, and uh, shoot a three-pointer. I think his his three-point shooting last year brought him to somewhere around 36 or 37%. So if we can just notch that up another 2%, then he is going to be a dynamic player for us this year. So I have high hopes for him. Let's move on to... Landon Blocker asks, what is the best case scenario for our Solomon Hill replacement? Uh, I'll start with Travis. This could either be uh, Dante Cunningham. It could be Darius Miller. You could go to Martell Webster and Jalen Jones. What What is your best case scenario from a replacement, and who do you think it'll be? Yeah. Well, I mean, of those four guys you named, one hasn't signed with the team, and then the other two are basically training camp bodies, right? I mean, so the answer seems to be, Darius Miller, as of right now, um, unless they're able to sign Dante Cunningham, I guess, in some way. Um, but, you know, that's going to be a huge question mark starting, you know, after he was injured and until we find somebody who's legitimately taking those minutes and playing well at that position and able to defend and at least being solid on that side because, um, as we've talked about, it seems like this team has, uh, and as I just said a little bit ago, you know, it seems like we have a bunch of like small twos and then a ton of like these like fours and fives and nothing in between. Like we don't have any threes really. Um, I, I think even Darius Miller is more of a two and we're just like being nice and calling him a three because we don't have any other options there. So that is, you know, I don't have a good answer that, I mean, that is like the biggest question mark this team has. Well, Darius Miller has the—he certainly has the length at six foot seven, and uh, he has the tenacity, the the willing to work hard type attitude that Dante Cunningham had. The best case scenario, uh, in my opinion, is not on the roster right now, but I think Dell Demps 
he he has to get that Ashik uh, contract off the books. But the problem is they don't want to take on any long-term salary because they do have to bring Boogie back. So Trevor, let's stay with the current Pelicans roster. Of these guys, what is the best case scenario for the three position this year? I think if, if we're talking hypothetical best case, it's it's got to be Darius Miller. And I agree with Travis. I, I think he's a, a two that we're, we're just being nice to. If you're looking at it that way, then the answer is Darius Miller. And then from that point, you just have to hope that you can stretch it each one more and Allen, Tony Allen, if that doesn't work out. But there's, I, I'm the same way as Travis. I don't have a great answer because as of right now, staying on the roster, that's, that's the only option we have. Now, I think best case scenario outside would be to re-sign uh, Dante because he's probably been one of the more reliable and consistent players that we've had on the Pelicans in a while, just as far as a rotation player and, and someone that you can count on. But other than that, there's not there's not many options that we haven't already explored and, and tried to go after. Yeah, uh, all all good points. Uh, as of right now, yeah, you have to feel for Alvin Gentry. Not that I want to go off topic, but uh, two years ago he had 351 injuries, uh, a record-setting display of just um, I don't know health ineptitude. But last year he had three different teams that he coached. He did 10 games without Drew Holiday. They came off to like a, an zero and eight start or something like four and twelve. I can't remember exactly what it was. And then he coached uh, probably somewhere around 40 games with Drew Holiday, and they played about 500 basketball. And then he added DeMarcus Cousins, and he totally went away from the, the style of basketball that he'd been coaching all year. And now they brought in Chris Finch and Darren Ehrman, all these uh, powerful minds all around him. And if if this doesn't work out just because of a Solomon Hill injury, you really have to feel for the guy and uh, how many different teams he's coached here in New Orleans in the past uh, three seasons. Not Not to go off topic, Travis, but... Do you think Alvin Gentry is getting a, I don't know, an unfair shake with all the things that have seemingly gone wrong in his three seasons here? Um, yeah, I can see the the point that you're making there. I just wish things could have gone better prior to this year um, to where we wouldn't have to be like, at this point, it just feels like there's so much pressure that's being put on this team from fans and kind of NBA people and NBA Twitter and like, you know, the, this, the whole concept of like Anthony Davis has been to the playoffs one time in his six years. And if he's so great, like, why can't he take us to the playoffs more? And then the whole like cousins thing, like he's never been to the playoffs. And um, there, I mean, certainly a lot has gone wrong uh, with, with Gentry being there. Um, so, I mean, I guess in some way I can feel bad for him, but I'm not going to feel bad too bad for him. He's got a lot of money and he, you know, he's going to be able to pick up another NBA job if, and when he's fired from this one. Trevor, this one is for you. You mentioned it earlier, but it was so cool. Anytime an NBA player retweets or, or, or mentions us, uh, I don't know. It puts a little pep in my step. This question is from CN Vanadium. I wanted to make sure I, I mentioned his name because you did refer to it a little bit earlier. He wrote, why did Agensa skip voluntary workouts in Kentucky? but trained with other NBA players. Why don't you tell the story of what happened yesterday when you chimed in on this? Okay, well, that question was asked, and I, I, I just kind of, as a joke, uh, quoted the tweet and said, uh, I added Alexi and said, care to come on the podcast and discuss, question mark, asking for a friend. Obviously, my friend is our friend that asked the question. And uh, <laughs> eventually, Alexi replied and said, uh, it's simple. I had an eight eight-month pregnant wife, now nine months at home, that needed me, plus my two... Plus my two years old, he his uh, English 
I mean, I understand, but um, <laughs> he uh, it's, it's just he had some family issues and he probably couldn't make it that day. I didn't I didn't see it as as that big of a deal. I didn't look into it. I don't think he's the type of guy that that you need to look into things like that. Anyway, I think he's as committed as as he can get to Pelicans basketball. Now now at home, I don't I, I would think that he's a little upset with his playing time. I would think that he's feels like he's shown flashes where he might feel deserving of that third big man spot. And I, I don't know, he might be a little frustrated. And maybe if I was in his predicament, I would be frustrated as well. But I think as far as the, oh, he didn't show up uh, to Kentucky for a voluntary training, I, I don't think that. Now, if Anthony Davis didn't show up to a voluntary training at Kentucky and didn't say anything, then then you might want to look into something. But Alexia, I, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Yeah, and in case he is listening, uh, we do need you, uh, Alexi, because at this moment, we don't have a viable uh, third big uh, unless you want to put a lot of faith and trust in Czech Diallo right now, which I'm not prepared to do yet. So we will need uh, a lot of minutes from you, big man. Uh, Travis, do you do you have any feelings on this matter? Obviously, asking a bunch of players uh, to to take voluntary workouts in Kentucky is is asking a lot in a, in a team and a player's offseason, but a lot of these guys train in L.A., and a lot of them work and live in LA because that's where a lot of the best trainers and best equipment uh, is. Do you, do you hold any grudges here? No, not at all. Uh, You know, especially with somebody who, as you mentioned, has a pregnant wife who, you know, at the time sounded like she could be delivering at any moment. Um, And during the off season, you know, he, during the season, he doesn't get to see his family at all ever, you know, so that's from whatever, uh, uh, you know, early October or I guess even late September through, April, you know, assuming no playoffs. And so that's a long time to never see anybody. And so, you know, during that off season, it's nice to be able to see your wife and hang out with your kids and your, and your potential newborn that's coming in any moment. So I got no problem at all with it. All right, let's do a little bit of rapid fire on this. Cause we're running a little low on time. Trevor, Mike Skeeto says if X player plays well, the Pelicans make the playoffs and let's just for fun, let's just cross off uh, Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday and DeMarcus Cousins. Oh, that stinks. Well, my answer was <laughs> my answer was honestly going to be if the balance between Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins can stay can stay healthy and they can still to each his own play respectively at the same rate that they've been playing, then I think that's the key and everything else will be able to fall around it, which of course our our guard our guard setting will uh play a play a role in that, but if we're not going with that, I'm just going to have to go with Rondo. If he's going to come in and push Drew officially off the ball to start the game and uh, be that true point guard, that true leader, the true commander, then it's, it's going to be up to him to lead that offense and find a way to help structure that offense based off his prior knowledge of basketball to help this team getting, get into a position to win. I like Rajon Rondo as a choice. Travis, who do you got? Yeah, I, I would have said Rondo, maybe even not even considering those other guys. Cause I sort of view the question as like, what kind of, you know, good-ish player needs to have like a kind of a career season in order to make this team better than it than is currently expected almost like that like you know the thing where how you win coach of the year is basically if your team overperforms so if somebody overperforms um in order to make this team good i think that that person is going to be rondo yeah, I would have accepted uh, Darius Miller or even Czech Diallo at this point because I don't think there's enough conversation right now uh, at how limited we are at the four and five after Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. And Boogie only averaged 30 minutes a game for us because of such 
significant foul trouble. So you'd have to believe that there's another 18 minutes there and another 15 minutes that Anthony Davis will be on the floor. So we might have 33 minutes to give out to another big man. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not ready to give all of that to Agenza and Diallo. Let's move right along, Trevor. If Gentry stumbles, is Ehrman a lock to replace him? And Mike Skeeto, why are you so negative? That's my job. <laughs> I think uh, I don't think he's wrong for the negativity when it comes to Gentry. Not that I, I completely dislike Gentry, but in, in the in the thought that he might be fired, I don't I don't think that's unfair at all, and I don't think any Pelicans fan thinks that's unfair. Do I think Ehrman's a lock? Uh, not at all. Uh, do I think he's a bad choice? No, I, th- I definitely think he should be considered, but I don't think at this point trusting in whatever Pelicans front office will be there to to make that hire that anything is a lock that that anything that we can think of uh or anybody that we can come up with i mean who knows i i don't i don't particularly remember back to when gentry was hired but i mean was he a lock did we see that coming i, I mean i'm not sure but uh no the, to that question i, I don't think so I, I don't think we're gonna know what's gonna happen until that point come travis uh this is from david false are gentry and demps attached at the hip one goes down so does the other i'd have to say yes what's your thought Okay. I I would actually say no because I think that um, if you know the team gets off to a terrible start again, let's say they do something similar to what they've done the last two years and start out something like three and ten, I think Gentry then leaves, and then after the season, um, well, I mean, I guess attached at the hip in terms of like I, I couldn't Same see season. Demps going another like a year after that, but I would imagine that. Uh, if Gentry is fired early in the season, then Demps would be gone after the season ends. Yeah, uh, they're definitely tied together this season, maybe not necessarily at the exact same time. Yeah, and to, t- right. to tie right into that question, he also asked, will the Pelicans allow Dell Demps to trade future assets and save his future? And this is something I was talking about back in May. Not necessarily right now, uh, Trevor. Obviously, the Pelicans will need to package a first-round pick to offload uh, Agenza or Ashik to you know, even get the space to sign somebody who could play the three or the four or the five. But should the Pelicans get to the all-star break and, you know, have a record of, let's say, I don't know, 15 and, and 27, uh, and the Pelicans look like things are, are are going south very quickly, do you give Dell Demps then the reins to make a blockbuster deal or possibly even ship out somebody like Boogie Cousins? I, I think with the with the record and numbers that you threw out there, I would say they would pop if Boogie's commitment isn't there, then yes, I, I wouldn't see necessarily anything wrong with shipping him. If we can get a deal back, that's the if a lot of these deals go uh, when the superstar goes, you all the almost all the time lose the deal or come really close to losing it. But so, the question uh, is, would you let Dell Demps do that? I, I would let. I think. I think I would let Dell Demps. I mean. He made the trade. Maybe you know if it didn't work or he couldn't get the commitment. I I don't know. I'm gonna give a yes when it comes to Demarcus Cousins. I I don't think. Uh, man, it's it's really iffy because I don't know if I trust him to get a good load back. I, I I would lean towards yes, but as far as offloading assets, uh, absolutely not. When when you don't know how long you really want to keep him, I definitely wouldn't trust him. Into if it comes down to okay, Demarcus is staying. We're doing all right. We're maybe just below 500. Can we offload a future asset to get, you know, borderline superstar? Maybe, but when it comes to, okay, we're just reaching, absolutely not. 
All right, uh, Travis, I'm actually, you know what, J-Rob and Julius Kazee pretty much asked the same question, and it's asking realistic trade uh, options the Pelicans have. And I'm actually not going to let you guys answer this because I want you guys to go to thebirdrights.com. Kevin Berrios has four articles on the 20 players most likely to be traded to the Pelicans, or at least most likely for the Pelicans to pursue. So make sure you go over the site and check that out because he did a lot of great work on it, and it's it's really good stuff that I think you'll enjoy reading about. Uh, Let's... Yeah, shout, let's shout out to Julius Kizzy just real quick. Just had to shout out Julius. Oh, do you want to take this? Do you know him? Yeah, I do know him. I just want to give him a quick shout out. Shout out to H Town. He's out in Shreveport, Louisiana. Just a just a quick little shout out to Julius. Why don't you take this one? Oh, am I? Do I get to answer the question? Yes, yeah, so you get to answer the question. Go oh, for okay. it. I, I, the answer is nothing. We don't have one. We we don't have. If you come to when you talk about trade asset, if you mean the only trade as, asset we have is the ability to ship someone off with a first round pick to unload space. That's that's the only asset we really need right now. But we don't have and, unless it comes down to Demarcus, we us needing to do something with Demarcus because he's not committed and it comes to All Star break in the in the season as demolished. But other than that, we, I mean, it's just plain and simple. We don't have trade assets. It's yeah. Um. I, I th- he was also talking about trade options and for yeah, the Brooklyn- options are different. But the thing is, is if, if we have to put something together to, to get that, there's still not, you know, I can, I could name plenty of options that we, we could really reach for. And that goes back to the, do we trust Dell Demps to do that? I don't know. But uh, I mean, yeah, there's options out there, but we're, I think, I think behind closed doors, we're kind of expending, expending all those options right now. Yeah, the, the problem is, even with the trade exceptions that we have, and we have three available to us right now, the largest one being that Quincy Pondexter extension, which I think is $3.9 million. The problem, with, even if you exercise one of those trade options, they still count against the cap, which puts us into the dead cap zone, which is a no-fly zone. So in any realistic trade, we're going to have to offload salary, and offloading bad salary always has uh, significant consequences for the for the Brooklyn Nets taking Damari Carroll, who's $15 million over the next two seasons, he's still a rotation player, probably like an eighth, ninth, or tenth guy. He cost a late round first pick. So if you take somebody like Ashik, who costs a little bit less, but is totally and completely unplayable, you would think that a first round pick uh, probably buys you that space, but it doesn't necessarily buy you an asset. It just buys you space. So to to package a first round pick and Ashik to get space really isn't doable for me. Uh, you might be able to get some bad salary back like a Jared Dudley or like a Luol Dang if you wanted to go that route. But even those guys aren't, uh, even though they are playable, uh, they're, they're not that much of an upgrade over what we already have. Travis, let's go to you and let's get your prediction for the season. Austin Lazana wants to know our playoff chances and seedings. Uh, so where do you have the Pelicans ending up this season? Yeah. Um, I would, there's been a lot of optimism about this team in the last few weeks, including some of these very podcasts. Um, But I'm still going to say that the Pelicans are on the outside looking in. I would place them probably ninth or 10th in the West. Um, I think one of the teams that is going to somehow slide in ahead of us with uh, some magic dealings that they must have with the basketball gods is going to be Memphis. I think that they've got just enough of those veteran guys, even though we just took Tony Allen from them. Uh, he wasn't contributing nearly as much as say both Mark Gasol and Mike Conley. So I still like Memphis a little bit more than I like the Pelicans. Um, I like Denver a lot more than I like the Pelicans. And so I think we're, I think we're on the outside looking in. Hater. Uh, Trevor, what's your take? <laughs> 
Um, I, I think we're fighting for that seventh and eighth spot. I mean, would I be surprised if we didn't make the playoffs? I don't think anybody would. Uh, would it be disappointing? Yes, but I think right now I had us at the six. Uh, with the Solomon Hill injury, I think we're scraping for that seven or eight spot. Yeah, I'm I'm going to play the role of Ali Cassell, and I'm going to say we're going to get inside uh, seven, maybe six. I think if I mean I'm just looking at all these pictures of Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins basically becoming best friends, working out together. Rajon Rondo putting together all these camps, uh, just just the the camaraderie that's being developed at such an early point in the season. I think that's that sets you out of the gate uh, with, with a positive win loss record. We we've talked at length, the three of us actually about a month ago when we uh, previewed the season schedule, make sure you guys go check that out on our podcast in the archives from a month ago. Uh, Our first 12 games is kind of a rough patch. And if we can come out of there six to six, seven to five, eight and four, that really bodes well for the end of December, January and February where the Pelicans have a softer schedule. And I think they've got a great chance to go on a run. And if they do go on a run, I think that's all you need for these guys to buy in and to to take the next step in their careers because all of these guys collectively have the talent to do it. They all, at some point or another, have been all defense, all-star, played championship games. There's there's a lot of talent on the roster if they can just somehow find a way to mesh it together. And I think, honestly, by by what we're seeing right now and just – the, the addition of Chris Finch, Darren Ehrman getting us into the top 10 last year, Alvin Gentry comfortable in all the player moves and comfortable with all these coaches. I, I think it's all going to work. It's all going to happen, and then we're going to be in a really tough spot next offseason. But I don't want to talk about that now because then I'll get negative again. Uh, here's a fun one. I'm going to throw it to Travis. Clint White wants to know, with Coupon and Tim Frazier gone, who is Anthony Davis' new Snapchat buddy? Uh, um. Can he be Snapchat friends with Tyreek? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Do you think Tyreek's like a fun, fun guy to put yeah. like, I don't know, bunny he ears is. on his head? He's got like, he's got this like mansion. I saw some, it was either an Instagram story or, or something, but he was watching the, uh, that, that, uh, boxing match that took place. Like I think last night and he was, uh, He's got like a whole like bar with these uplights and very fancy and all these people are around. He's got a pool table. He's he seems like a, a really cool dude to hang out with. So maybe maybe uh, Anthony Davis will take some uh, off days in and around the uh, all-star break with Tyreek. Trevor, I'm going to throw this to you. I think Rajon Rondo is probably a bit too old for Snapchat. Ian Clark, I think, is uh, somewhere around 26. Jordan Crawford's 28. Uh, who is the youngest guy on this roster? Frank Jackson just uh, broke his foot with that fifth metatarsal. So DeMarcus Cousins is around 28, but that still puts Anthony Davis as one of the younger guys on the roster. And as we all know, uh, the younger you are, the more likely you are to Snapchat. So who do you have as his Snapchat buddy? I've got to go with Boogie. Couldn't you just see Boogie holding his hand up and putting the dog filter on his face? Yeah, I mean, definitely could. He's a funny it's, guy. It's It's got it. Now, I, I don't know enough. I mean, I know the other players. I, I I watched them play basketball. I know them as basketball players. Now, I don't know enough about Ian Clark or Jordan Crawford. or I, I definitely don't think it's Rondo. Um, but uh, I think it's Boogie. He's just a goofball. He's a funny guy. And uh, we're from the same place. Shout out to Mobile, Alabama. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go with Boogie on that one. All right, I'm going to finish us up on this one. I'm sure Kevin Berrios probably intended this for me. He said, when is The Punisher coming out on Netflix? Shout outs to you, Kevin. Uh, I believe that we might be blessed with this as soon 
as late November of 2017. With that being said, many of these things get pushed back. January might be a more realistic uh, scenario right now, but they they have wrapped filming for the most part. I know that everybody does reshoots uh, nowadays, so there there is the likelihood that there still could be some cleaning, floor room editing that could be taking place. But um, and also, if it's coming that soon, you'd have to believe that there'd be a a trailer out by now being in mid-September. But you know what? I'm still hoping for it to come out sometime late in 2017. But with that being said, early 2018 might be a bit more realistic. Uh, And this is according to denofgeek.com. But you guys, we're at about an hour and I need to talk to Jamile. So that is it for now. Listeners, don't go too far. Next, we have Jamile Dunn. And he is not only optimistic about this season, he's already planning for how to take the next step in the summer of 2018. So be sure to tune in to how everything will go right this season and what steps the Pels will need to take to keep the train rolling in the right direction. I'm Preston Ellis. These uh, big picture guys have been Travis and Trevor, and we appreciate you guys hanging out with us and sending us questions, don't we, Travis? Hashtag big picture boys. And Trevor, if these guys want to send us some more questions and get the three of us back on a podcast, where can they send questions to? They can send it to us on Twitter, at Preston Ellis, at Trabe Todd. Did I get that right, Travis? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Shout out to that weird at name. And (laughs) and at Richie TMR. Or at thebirdrights.com or Preston, you can tell them the other ways that I left out. No, that, that was all fantastic. Uh, Ali Cassell is also really good at getting back to this stuff. David Fisher. So target any one of us and just, uh, I don't know, just mention that you want us to answer on the pod. The three of us will get together uh, again, some point. Hey, at the end. Yes. Hey, go ahead. Preston, hold on. Incoming question. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. It came in on Facebook. It says, quote, do we have Jordan Crawford still and will Axel Tupain still be on the Pelicans? Oh, no. Do we even address this? Axel Tupain has, has been released uh, over this summer. He had guaranteed money on his contract. I think it was somewhere, you know, I'm just making it up a number. It was somewhere between twenty five dollars and $100,000. And I believe July 31st was the last date that the Pelicans could execute it. And he didn't play particularly well in summer league. He was a bit disappointing there. We were expecting big things from our former uh, D-League All-Star, but uh, he was not one of the bright spots. Uh, Jalen Jones uh, badly outplayed him, even Peter Jock, and uh, I hope I pronounced that right. And even James Young played a bit better, but now James Young, I believe, is in a training camp with the Milwaukee Bucks or possibly the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's somewhere up north, so he is no longer Pelican. And also, Jordan Crawford actually did us the favor of pushing back his guarantee date so he was guaranteed 25000 and that was exercised, but he still has the full 1.79 that should have gone into effect July 31st, but he pushed that back. So the Pelicans could conceivably still cut him and use that money to sign another player. Now, do we hope that they do that? Of course not. He balled out for us last year to the point of 44% from three, high volume shooter, and they were all going in. He had a swagger about him, a great passer. Um, so I'm hoping for big things for Jordan Crawford, but le- thank you so much. Who was that question from Trevor? That was from Nardy Nard. Nardy Nard. Nice name. <laughs> I never thought to look at Facebook. I feel like most of our followers are on Twitter, but, uh, thank you guys so much. As always, if you can do us a favor, rate us on iTunes, share, retweet, tell all your friends. We really appreciate all your help and, uh, let's go pals. We'll see you guys again soon.
Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance.